Well, this week we're going to continue our sermon series called The Tech Commandments. Each week in this series, we are exploring the ways in which new technologies and the internet and social media are changing the world and changing the way we live our lives and interact with one another. And each week in this series, we're going to hear a passage from a letter that was written by a man named James, the letter of James in the New Testament. Now this morning, the scripture reading is going to be shared with us by Carl Fivecoat. This morning, Carl is going to share the scripture reading with us from the place where he works, from a, a Boy Scout camp way up in northern Minnesota, as Carl puts it, just a, a few miles paddle from the Canadian border. Open your heart, open your ears to the word of God as Carl shares with us this morning's scripture reading from the New Testament letter of James. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness, and welcome the meekness that implanted words that has the power to save your souls. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this week I've been thinking about a story I heard a few years ago, the story of a young woman named Lindsay. At the time this story takes place, Lindsay was a compassionate young woman who loved working with adults with special needs. Lindsay worked for a nonprofit organization that helped to enrich the lives of adults with special needs. And so Lindsay got to take people to the movies. She got to take people out bowling. She loved, she loved helping adults with special needs and, and developmental disabilities to experience the world and to make memories and have a good time. And a few years ago, Lindsay and her coworkers worked on a really big project for these adults that they, that they worked with. They worked on planning a great big adventure, a trip to Washington, D.C. And Lindsay and her coworkers took a group of adults with special needs to, to Washington, D.C. And, and there in the city, they did all of the things that you do when you visit Washington, D.C. They went to the National Mall. They went to the Smithsonian. They visited Arlington National Cemetery. They had all of these adventures, saw all of these sites. And when Lindsay got home, when the trip was over, she felt so good about what they had accomplished. She felt good about the memories that they had helped these people to make. She felt like this trip had been a great experience for everyone involved. And she never dreamed, she never dreamed that this trip, that five seconds of this trip would become a turning point in her life, the moment when her life her life began to fall to pieces. Now you see, Lindsay and one of her co-workers had this thing that they would do, this, this silly thing, the sort of silly thing that young people do without thinking too much about it. Whenever Lindsay and her friend saw a sign that said, don't do this or don't do that, they would get out a camera and one of them would pose in front of the sign doing the thing or pretending to do the thing that the sign said not to do. If they saw a sign that said no smoking, then one of them would stand in front of the sign and pretend to smoke. If they saw a sign that said no skateboarding, one of them would stand in front of the sign and pretend to skateboard, and then the other one would take a picture. It was just this silly thing that they did, this sort of silly and foolish thing that young people do without really thinking much about it. And of course, Washington DC is filled with signs saying don't do this and don't do that. And so all through their trip as they were traveling around the city, Lindsay and her friend kept taking these pictures, including, including at Arlington National Cemetery. 
Now, while they were at the cemetery, not far from the tomb of the unknown soldier, Lindsay saw a sign that said, silence and respect. And not thinking about where she was, not thinking about what she was doing, Lindsay said to her friend, hey, get out a camera and take a picture. And then she posed in front of the sign. She made a a rude and disrespectful hand gesture and then she made a face as though she were screaming in front of the sign and her friend snapped that picture and then they went on with their day and they forgot all about it. And when Lindsay got home after the trip was over, she uploaded all of her trip pictures to Facebook so her friends could see them, including, including that picture. And a few hours later, a friend of hers who was a military veteran sent her a message. And he said, listen, Lindsay, he said, I know you. I know what you're like. I know that you didn't mean any offense or disrespect, but you need to understand that to many people, this picture will be offensive and it will seem disrespectful. Maybe it would be best if you took that picture down. And Lindsay thought about it. And then Lindsay made a decision. She decided, no, I think I'll leave that picture up. Nobody but my friends will ever see it anyhow. And my friends all know what I'm like. They know that I don't intend to be disrespectful or to offend anybody. Nobody but my friends will ever see it, Lindsay said. But of course, that's where Lindsay was wrong. What Lindsay didn't realize is that her Facebook settings allowed anyone, absolutely anyone, to see the pictures that she had uploaded to Facebook. And so it was that about a month after the trip, suddenly one night, Lindsay's cell phone started buzzing and buzzing and buzzing with all of these notifications. The internet had discovered her picture. Somebody had shared her picture and then it got shared and shared and reshared and reshared until thousands and thousands of complete strangers were leaving comments on Lindsay's picture. And you can imagine maybe what most of those comments were like. People were saying things like, Lindsay hates soldiers. People were saying things like, Lindsay hates dead soldiers. People were saying things like, Lindsay deserves to die. People were asking if anybody knew where Lindsay lived, if anybody had her address. People started sending Lindsay death threats. Somebody started a Facebook group called Fire Lindsay. Somebody else started another Facebook group called Set Fire to Lindsay. Overnight, thousands of people joined these Facebook groups. And then somebody got hold of her boss's email address and her boss started getting thousands and thousands of emails from people demanding, demanding that Lindsay be fired. The next morning, she lost her job. But the harassment didn't stop there. Lindsay kept receiving threats and hostile messages for months. It got to the point where Lindsay was afraid to leave her house. For close to a year, Lindsay didn't set foot outside her home. She tried to find a new job. She kept sending her resume to nonprofits and to charity organizations, but nobody would hire her. Lindsay had become toxic. Nobody, nobody wanted to touch her. And so it was that literally overnight, Lindsay went from this joyful and bubbly young woman who loved to work with adults who had special needs. Overnight, that young woman was transformed into a reclusive and unemployed young woman who stayed at home day after day after day as her physical health and her mental health deteriorated and she sank into a deep depression. Now here's the thing I wanna say today. 
Now there's no question that what Lindsay did was foolish. There's no doubt that what Lindsay did was offensive and disrespectful and rude and she shouldn't have been surprised that people were angry about that picture that she had posted. But when people do foolish and immature and disrespectful things, things that make us angry, we have a decision to make. We have to decide how we are going to respond and there are lots of ways that we can respond in that angry moment. We can ignore it. We can have a quiet word in private. We can have a gentle word in public. Or we can wage all-out war. We can use all of the tools at our disposal to try to tear a person's life to shreds and to destroy somebody we've never even met. This moment that we're living in, this historical moment is unlike any other moment in human history because at this moment in human history, at this moment in human development, the internet, cell phones, computers, social media have given us more power to reach out and destroy other people than we have ever had at any other moment in human history. Now, in this moment in human history, you and I have got the power to reach out through our keyboard, through our computer screen, and destroy and tear to pieces people whom we have never even met. And everything we know about what human beings are like tells us that this is a development that ought to have us worried. Because one of the things that we know about human beings, one of the things that we have learned about human beings is that when you give people power over other people, when you give someone even a little bit of power, that power changes that person and not, not necessarily for the better. Now, back in the 1980s, a researcher was, was doing this fascinating experiment. Now, this researcher was studying human empathy. You know what empathy is? Empathy is the ability that you and I have to, to consider other people and take other people's perspective into account. Empathy is our ability to relate to other people and to value their thoughts and their feelings. Now, the opposite of empathy is sociopathy. A sociopath is somebody who has trouble valuing other people, has trouble valuing other people's perspectives and other people's feelings, has trouble sometimes even understanding that other people are, are real human beings. And back in the 1980s, there was a researcher who wanted to, wanted to figure out, are most of us basically empathetic or, or are most of us secret sociopaths? And so this researcher came up with a, a simple and ingenious test. And what this researcher did was, was to interview dozens and dozens of people and this researcher, every time this researcher interviewed somebody, asked them to write with a marker on their forehead a letter. Usually it was the, the letter L or the letter E. And this researcher discovered that when, when he asked people to draw a letter L on their forehead, some people drew it, drew it like this, other people drew it like that. Of course, there's no right way, there's no wrong way to draw the letter L on your forehead. But what this researcher discovered is that the way that you draw that L in this direction or in this direction turns out to say something important about who you are as a human being. And what this researcher discovered is that most people, most people, if you ask them to draw a letter L on their forehead, will, will draw a letter L like this. And the researcher discovered that people who draw the letter L in this direction tend to be more empathetic than other people. 
When I make the letter L on my forehead like this, I have automatically, without even thinking of it, taken your, your perspective into consideration. When I make the letter L on my forehead this way, it's backwards to me, but it's forwards to you. And I have already, when I make the letter L this way, I have already made a decision to value who you are and the way that you see things and the way that you see the world. Now the researcher discovered that most people, if you ask them to draw that letter L, will draw it in this direction. But he discovered that some people, if you ask them to draw the letter L, will draw it this way. If I make the letter L this way on my forehead, it is backwards to you, but it is forwards to me. When I make the letter L this way, I have decided that my perspective is the perspective that matters. I have decided that my point of view is more important than your point of view. I have even decided, maybe at some level, that I am more important than you are. This Research has discovered that people who make the letter L this way tend to have more sociopathic tendencies. And this researcher also made one other fascinating discovery. And the researcher discovered that people who make the letter L this way tended to be people who occupied positions of power and authority. People who drew the letter L in that direction tended to be CEOs. They tended to be lawyers and judges. They tended to be politicians. They were pastors. They were people who had power over other people's lives. And what this researcher discovered and what decades of research since the 1980s have also discovered is that when we give people a position of power, when we give people power over other human beings, that power changes them. That power really does corrupt them. That power makes it harder for them to see things from someone else's perspective. That power makes it easier for them to ignore and disregard other people, maybe even to the point where power makes it easier to destroy other people. The internet has given all of us phenomenal power to reach out into the world and hurt and destroy one another. And maybe that power is changing us. Maybe that power is the reason that the internet, that social media is such a hostile and violent and angry place. Maybe that power is turning us into exactly the kind of people who James, the Apostle James, is talking to in this morning's scripture reading. In today's reading, we hear a, a passage from a letter that was written by a man named James. Many people believe that the James who wrote this letter is the same James who was the brother of Jesus, one of the most important and influential leaders in the early church. Many people also believe that James wrote this letter at a moment of crisis in the life of the church. A wave of persecution had swept through the city of Jerusalem. Up until that point, most of the followers of Jesus lived in the city of Jerusalem. But when people started rounding up Christians and putting followers of Jesus to death, many followers of Jesus, many members of the church decided that the smartest thing to do was to get out of town. And so people packed up their families and they moved, they scattered, they moved to faraway cities all around, all around the Roman Empire. Almost overnight, the Apostle James watched the, the church where he was a, a litter, leader suddenly empty out. Suddenly his church had all of these empty pews. And there in the city of Jerusalem, as he looked around all of those empty pews, James, who was wise, James, who was faithful, realized that all of these followers of Jesus had simply traded one kind of danger for another. He realized that now the danger was not that they were going to be killed, 
He realized that the danger now was that these followers of Jesus scattered around the Roman Empire, far away from their church family, separated by many miles from other believers. The danger was that these isolated individual believers were going to begin to drift away from the way of Jesus. The danger was that they were going to start to become like their neighbors, that they were going to start to become like everybody else. As Jesus put it, the danger was that they were going to become like salts that had lost its saltiness. They were going to become like lanterns hidden under a barrel. And we know what their neighbors were like. We know what Roman culture and society was like, right? We know that that Romans were obsessed with power and authority. These were the people who worshiped their emperor as if he were a god. We know that their, their neighbors, we know that Romans were obsessed with, with violence and with death. These were the people who went to the arena and watched gladiators stab each other to death as a form of entertainment. As James looked around at all of those empty pews and he thought about these followers of Jesus who were scattered all around the empire, he began to worry that they were going to become as violent and bloodthirsty as everyone else. And so James sat down at his desk and he wrote a letter He wrote a letter to followers of Jesus who were scattered all around the Roman Empire. He wrote a letter encouraging them, reminding them that we are called to walk in a different way. James said to all of those followers of Jesus, he said, he said, we are called called to live in a different way because we have encountered the love of God. We have encountered the God who loves us, the God who forgives us, and we have discovered that this God who loves us and forgives us also loves and forgives every person we will ever meet. Our neighbors, strangers in the street, people, people on the internet who make us angry, God loves and forgives each and every one of them every bit as much as God loves and forgives us. And so we, James says, we of all people should be quick to listen and slow to anger. Now what would that look like in today's age, in the age of social media and the internet and technology? What would it look like for the followers of Jesus to be quick to listen and slow to anger? Maybe it would would look like Christians when people make us angry on the internet, instead of lashing out, instead of typing angry words into our phone or into our keyboard, instead it would look like us doing the thing that nobody ever does on the internet. Maybe it would look like like us asking the question that nobody ever asks on the on the internet. Maybe it looks like Christians saying something like, help me, help me to understand where you're coming from. Help me to understand why you would say that. Help me to understand why you feel that way. Or maybe it would look like, look like Christians when we become angry at something we see on the internet, putting down the phone, stepping away from the keyboard, calling a church friend, going outside and taking a walk in the fresh air, opening a Bible. Maybe it looks like us taking a deep breath and stepping away from our phones and our computers and not sitting back down in front of them until We are ready and filled with the words that lead not to death, but to the healing of the world and the salvation of our souls. And most of all, most of all, it looks like Christians looking down at our screens, looking at our phones, looking at our computer screens and remembering, remembering that the people who are making us angry are not just pictures on a screen, not just a a set of pixels, 
but they are flesh and blood human beings. People who Jesus lived for, people who Jesus died for, people who Jesus rose from the dead for, every bit as much as he did it for us. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would make us quick to listen and slow to anger. God, remove all of the violence and anger from our hearts and fill it with the love and fill it with the word that gives life, the word that heals the world, the word that saves our souls. God, we pray that when we are walking the streets, when we are sitting at the table, when we are typing into our keyboards and into our screens, we would be like no other people in this world, that we would walk in the way of Jesus, that we would retain our flavor, that we would shine the light of your love. In Jesus we pray. Amen.